So I know a lot of people have called it already. A lot of people had their projections. They decided that this was what was going to happen. Another side said, no, I've reserved my my judgment and my time, and I've looked over everything. But I think I can officially say now, the 49ers are not going to make the fucking playoffs. No, they're not. They're not. I And I was hoping that, you know, you would bring this up because I think that's probably what's been on everybody's mind. What else would be on their mind? Hard telling. Hard telling. Exactly. With, with the exception of anticipation for our new episode, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything either. But not going to do it. Went to the Super Bowl last season. Not going to make the playoffs this year. Call it injuries. Call it really having a shitty quarterback is probably the root of it. <laughs> and then having a couple really bad backups. But yeah, that's it. You know, the jury was out. Things were being counted. Things were being tabulated. But in the end... That's the only way to go. Feels like the jury came back. Case dismissed. <laughs> Those are all legal terms you used in the correct order. So excellent work. Hearsay. <laughs> Welcome to Cigarette Burns. It's Cole and Jed as usual. And we have a very special episode. Ah, it's a special. I don't know if it's special. It's an episode. It's an episode. And yep. it's about Predator. The 1987 Arnold Schwarzenegger, John McTiernan classic. We are rescue team, not assassins. Now, what do we got to do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here, you're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jet. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He will skin the lion. It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all going to die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. I mean, that trailer just fucking pumps me up, man. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Well, that I think I know why it doesn't for you necessarily. And let's go over, as we normally do, when did you first see this movie? Uh, I saw this movie. Uh, I, w- I remember I didn't see it in the theater. I remember getting it at home and it was like October 20th, 2020. 
Ooh, so that was that's that's not too long ago, considering when the film came out. Yeah, not super long ago. Uh, I I definitely did not see it as a child or as a young adult, or now almost got through middle age without being able to lock that one down. But uh, I have watched it now. I've watched it three times, and we will talk about that experience. Well, explain yourself here, Cole. What happened? Where did you go um, awry? Was it too many bike park parties? Is that what happened? <laughs> it was, you know, a lot of trips to Double D's, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I really, what it comes down to, and it, the longer this podcast goes on, obviously, the more Arnold Schwarzenegger movies I'm sure we will inevitably go through. But I have a gigantic blind spot in my 80s and 90s action films for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not somebody who was, like, addicted to The Terminator I didn't I, I really to a certain degree still don't get Arnold Schwarzenegger in action movies, which is really funny given what he looks like, how big he is, how he came to fame. I think he's very funny. So I've enjoyed him more in like the action comedy. True Lies, I think, is a fucking masterpiece. But I even I enjoy him more in things like Twins or Junior than I do like in these action movies. So I never sought them out. I was more of a JCVD guy. Uh, I was more of a lethal weapon, uh, diehard type of guy. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of blind spots. Uh, I've never seen Commando. I'm sure. I'm sure you're going to list off. I'm sure you're going to list off a bunch of movies that I'm going to have to be like, no, I I didn't see that because I don't care. Well, here's the thing. I mean, might be the first time anyone said I prefer Arnold as comic relief mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to fucking shit up. That's a nice way for me to say that Mr. Schwarzenegger does pretty much nothing for me. <laughs> well, all right, but but Sly Stallone, obviously, you uh, love Sly, Rocky, baby. Don't even yeah, you can't even compare the two. You can't even compare the two. Well, let's go over a little background here. Um, I saw the film. Not that you asked, but I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> I saw the film for the first time when I was a kid. Obviously, it came out in '87. I was probably four, maybe five, depending on when it was released, um, and. Didn't see it in the theater then, just missed the window, but did have it rented for me when I was probably, I want to say, eight years old and loved Terminator. I'd already seen Terminator at that point. Um, Terminator 2 did not come out yet, but so I liked Arnold. I liked, you know, his stuff and seeing it as a little kid, it was just awesome. And then this was one of those movies that was always on either the cable channels or the premium channels. It always makes the rounds every year at a certain time and even throughout the year. Just It's always on. You can always find Predator. It's kind of like Roadhouse in, in that respect. And so I've seen it countless, countless fucking times. And the love of it just, just grew. But it's also that nostalgia. This is what's really interesting and what I'm happy about the fact that you've never seen it before until now is I'm not coming at it with like a grown-up kind of mind, it always takes me back to being a kid whenever I watch it. Well, I can tell you, if you're going to come at this movie from a grown-up frame of mind, you are getting it wrong. Uh, it is a <laughs> it is it it is actually a disservice to your ability to comprehend this movie if you're going to come at it with any form of maturity. But I, I will say the other uh, reason I probably didn't see this movie, and I remember seeing it like on Channel Two when that would be the TV guide, and you'd be like, "Oh, Predator, Predator." I'm also not a big science fiction alien movie guy. So the conceit of it, when somebody's like, hey, do you want to watch Last Action Hero? Sure. I think that movie's really cool. I think it's funny. I think it's interesting. I think it's got good action. Hey, do you want to watch Predator? I really don't. Uh, I, I'm more interested, let's just say, in the mission they thought they were going on in this movie. 
than what ended up happening. Well, that's, you know, that's a good transition. Let's get into, we'll go over the box office in the background, but I want to talk about, since you brought it up, the real mission that they were originally on, because I'm going to be honest with you, it was about, probably, it took around 20 viewings, because granted, I saw it when I was a little kid, for me to actually remember that the beginning, they had a mission other than killing the Predator, because they had no idea the Predator was there. They're going there to kind of rescue a team with under the guise of there being this cabinet minister and all this kind of stuff going on, when in reality it was they want to infiltrate this Soviet group that's there to stop, to prevent an attack. And Carl Weathers' character, Dylan, who, has there ever been a better named character than Carl Weathers as Dylan? Dylan's perfect. The, I, <laughs> I mean, no shade at all. The names in this movie are perfect. They really are. And we're going to get to the, the cast of characters. Yeah. Why would you look at some of these guys and be like, what's up, Dutch? Like, I just don't even understand. <laughs> the whole plot is they're there to rescue these guys, but then it really is determined that they're there to stop these this fucking gorillas from doing this invasion with the Soviets. So there's a lot of Cold War geopolitical undertones that are going on. And I think that metaphor is kind of extended to the battle between these guys and the Predator, with the Predator representing the Soviets, let's say, and their advanced potentially technology versus the homegrown American, we're going to beat the shit out of you, we just have really big guns kind of thing. What do you think of that take? Is that, Am I far off I on mean, that? I mean, I'll say this. I didn't think we were going to get into geopolitics <laughs> in this episode. And if we were going to get into it, I didn't think it was going to be eight minutes deep. But I, I guess I would say this. Um, I look at the geopolitics of the first 30 minutes as a hilarious sort of homage. And it wasn't an homage at the time. They were right in the middle of it. And uh, I think we're going to get into just the nonsense that created the making of this movie. But this is 80s United States of America, Central American policy of we're going to go down there. And I don't know if it's certain hangover um, from Vietnam or what, but you see the scene where... Like the the evil people kill one person and to teach them that you can't do that, we are going to kill everyone to show you that killing is bad. And which is kind of what the policy was uh, in Central America uh, at the time. America. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's like, oh, you, you think that you're welcome. We just killed 150 people. And then and then to have the hero of the movie turn around and say something as idiotic to Carl Weathers as. We don't do this kind of thing. Well, you clearly do. You clearly <laughs> do that. We're not assassins, man. We're yeah. not assassins. <laughs> you're right. You're not. You're murderers. Assassins are like one at a time. You guys just <laughs> went in and killed everybody. Um, assassins also don't carry handheld Gatlin guns, Blaine. So I agree. They're not assassins. Uh, they would be what I would consider a wet team. Old Painless. I mean, great name for a gun. <laughs> the entire thing. Him and, and fucking Bill Duke. Yeah. As Mac. Oh, yeah. I, 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 all right. I'm going to talk about the background here real quick, and then I want to get to the characters. Um, let's go over the box office real quick. Budget of 15 mil, which yeah. was increased when they had to shut down production in order to revamp the look of the Predator because the original look kind of looks like a really, really bad live action splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Totally agree. And I mean, really bad. John Claude Van Damme, the original guy in the suit, he gets the gig. 
He thinks he's going to be running around showing off his martial arts because he's basically fresh off the boat from from Brussels at this point. He thinks, oh, I'm going to get to be opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger. I get to beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then I guess on the first few days of filming, they put him in this horrible costume, like the horrible creature design. And he's running around and it's this red Spider-Man looking thing because they needed it to be red so they could do the effect of making him disappear and everything and he's like what what is this i didn't sign up for this this is kind of awful he also said the suit was very uncomfortable and that someone was going to get hurt so he ends up quitting or they fire him whatever he's off the movie now have you read the stories about his departure from the movie i have not read the details i've seen interviews with his side of it right but i haven't heard the other side so there's an excellent article and remind me when we're done recording we got to give the we got to give everybody the link because there's this like oral history of Predator that I read that's pretty uh, pretty detailed and it has a bunch of the not only people that were in the movie but some producers and ads and things like that talking about everything. And there's like seven different versions from people as to why he got fired. He was too short to be intimidating is one of them. He was a prima donna on the set. He broke the head of one of the Predator costumes. He There's like six different versions of this myth of why JCVD got canned. And it's really funny because every single person as you're reading the interviews are like, no, 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 it's it's the, this is the one. This is the reason. You know, he got in a fight <laughs> with Joel Silver and that was it or whatever. So, that you know, there was one that said the reason he got fired was he kept passing out in the Predator costume. And they told him, hey, man, we, you know, we got to move on here. So if you keep passing out, we're going to have to fire you. He's like, yo, I'm not doing it on purpose. You know, it's 90 <laughs> degrees and humid here and this is a gigantic suit. And so I guess he passed out again. And the guy goes, yeah, that's why he was fired. So there's a lot of uh, – misinformation or uh, myth building, I guess, as to who's responsible for him getting fired and why he actually left the movie. But the good part about him leaving the movie and them deciding to redo the creature design is that now Arnold calls in Stan Winston, who he'd worked with on Terminator. Stan Winston is currently doing some like pre-production stuff for, for Aliens, I think, at the time with James Cameron. James Cameron says... I always thought it'd be a good idea to have a monster that has like mandibles, like a bad right. guy with mandibles. That gets that influences the design. And Stan Winston, in my opinion, creates one of the most iconic monsters ever in, in a film. Like ever like villain, alien looking creatures. I love the look of the of the Predator. And really what sells it is the height of um Kevin Peter Hall. Right. And that's because they don't have to fake that height. Right, he's he's six nine, and that's tall enough to really tower over all the guys in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> so that that all those pieces kind of coming together there. The studio, I guess, when they shut everything down to redo the costume for the the look, they saw some footage and said, "Oh, we really like the way this is looking. Let's increase this budget here." So that's how the budget, you know, gets up to your fifteen mil. Well, I got a question for you regarding the look and the size, because I did read kind of over and over again that there was a size concern with Van Damme. Uh, they wanted him to be imposing, all that stuff. And then when they bring in Kevin Peter Hall, it's like, okay, cool, we've solved that issue. Now, granted, that created another issue where the Predator costume ends up being like 180, 200 pounds or something like that. It yeah. becomes impossible to move and be athletic and whatnot. But the Predator's not next to anybody until the very end of the movie. 
mm-hmm. and you can fake the hell out of that very, very easily. So it's really interesting to me that they were that concerned about size where you're like, I, I mean, the Predator's jumping through trees and he's never there, – there's no hand-to-hand combat with the Predator <laughs> till the very end. Well, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but I have a good feeling that we have a kind of Jaws situation going on here where – I think Predator was supposed to show up in a lot more of this film than he actually ended up showing up in. And that's why when you watch it, it's it's kind of like a, a tracker movie in many ways where you're not really seeing the the target that much, but you're seeing everyone kind of react to the target or react to certain things. Because how many shots are there in this film of people just looking up at trees or looking into the fucking forest right. in the jungle and just, oh, there's something sinister there. And that brings in Alan Silvestri's score, which gives you that ominous stuff. Funny story about that. I want to tell you real quick. A few years ago, Predator comes on. I'm working at home. It's late at night. I don't even look up. Like whatever movie was on previously ended, Predator comes on. And I'm like, why is this so familiar? Like I know it's Predator, obviously, but this music, I was like, this music sounds like Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> it sounds like all the dark parts of Back to the Future Part 2 in the alternate timeline for 1985. And I look it up, and of course, Alan Silvestri did the music for both. You can you can hear like that the, there's all of that stuff there that's from Back to the Future is the same in, in Predator. And Predator came out two years before Back to the Future Part 2. Right. These guys use their own shit all, oh, over, the, yeah, all over the place, I mean, man. You can hear a James Horner score. You can hear a Hans Zimmer score. You can hear a Michael Caden yes. score to the point where they get hired so much that even though they're great composers, I get to the point where I'm like, ah, I don't really need to hear Hans Zimmer again. I'm good. <laughs> like, yeah. I, have... I can only hear the Inception theme so many fucking times. Yeah, and, and it's and... excellent. Don't worry. Hans, you're doing fine. Um, I'm just ready for a, a little bit of a shuffle on the playlist. <laughs> So we got an opening of $12 million. So it didn't quite make its money back on opening weekend, but domestic overall, $59 million, worldwide, 98 Pretty good haul for this film because $15 million budget. I don't think it took a ton to film this thing. I think a lot of it was post-production stuff, getting those effects. But I love the practical effects. And I think, to me, one of the reasons this film holds up so well is those pra- the use of practical effects because... Yeah, there's some CG ones, like the first time you see the Predator um, kill Hawkins, it, it looks shitty, right. right? When he comes kind of popping out there. But other than that, like when you actually see the Predator without the cloaking device, I think it looks pretty good. What about you? What do you think? I mean, again, I'm coming at it 30-something years later. And so, you know, for the time, yeah, I think the effects were good. I agree with you about the Predator face, with respect to iconic face, incredible design, um, you know, it, great job, James Cameron. Great idea. But, like, the suit looks like some ridiculous thing from, like, the episode in Saved by the Bell where Screech was the monster to fake, you know, to win some sort of prize from some magazine or something. Like, the suit when he's, like, pressing buttons on his forearm and everything, I'm just like, yeah, this is, like, to me, bad. Now, I understand that I have to adjust for the time. I think the special effects of Predator jumping through the trees and I, I think the kill shots and everything were really well done. I thought those were excellent. But the closer we got to Predator, the less uh, imposing I thought he was and the less sort of scary it was a- as a Predator to me. Just because like it looked like the gloves on the hand were just so big. It, it just didn't quite 
work for me. It, it's a testament to what they were able to accomplish on $15 million at that time. But when I look at the technical stuff and I looked up and I, I think they got nominated for an Oscar for uh, special effects. Is that sounds right? Is that right? Alan Sylvester, I mean, you brought it up. The score is the technical achievement of this movie to me. Yes. Like that keeps to me the pacing of the movie going, but also like the dread. Because the more I saw like the predator jumping through the trees, I'm just, yes, it's intimidating and it's scary, but there wasn't, you weren't seeing him until the end. So there wasn't that visual fear. And it is scary. You know, in Jaws, you don't see the shark for a very long time. But the music continues to let you know how scared you should be. And that's what happened in this is I was like, oh, I need to be. I'm, I'm still really, really scared. So, No, I agree. It's a, it's a good point. I do think when the Predator in that final battle with, uh, with Dutch, when he takes his mask off and you see him, that's some scary shit. That's right there. frightening. Absolutely. That is frightening in the dark, all that stuff. We're going to get to our favorite fight scenes and you know what our strategy would be. <laughs> it's very nice of you to call it strategy. Oh, yeah. And you got to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. You got to do your preps. Mm-hmm. So background is directed by John McTiernan, had previously only directed one film before this called Nomads, which I just want to read the description of because I have not seen it, but I really want to after reading the description. A French anthropologist specializing in nomadic groups moves to Los Angeles with his wife and starts following a group of sinister street punks who seem to live and move around in a black van, but they aren't what they seem. I'm in. You have me. I want to see this movie starring Pierce Brosnan. Well, you're you're forgetting his co-star in that movie is bold and the beautiful favorite, Leslie Ann Downs. Now, for you guys listening, that was Jackie Maroney. Great. You're welcome. Yeah. There there you go. Burners. That's the ty- <laughs> that's the type of knowledge you come here for. But I mean McTiernan overall, he's got nomads, obviously. Got Predator, got Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, Thomas Crown Affair remake. He goes on a 12-year run after this movie that's sort of crazy. It's it's unassailably great. It really is. Like, just really good action films. Really tight. And I think he spends the money where he knows he needs to spend the money. You need the special effects. You need this and that. Uh, We can find a script that's serviceable, and we can deal with it. But... I really need these big action sequences and I need charismatic actors that are going to carry me through those parts in between the action sequences. I think that's why Arnold works. I think that's why Pierce Brosnan works. Mm -hmm. I think that's why Bruce Willie works. Um, Sean Connery, would we call him charismatic? R.I.P. I think people would. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's possible he got by on charisma because, you know, acting chops, maybe not as much. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> I tell you what, though. I got to give John McTee uh, a lot of credit for what I think is an underrated movie, The 13th Warrior with yeah. Antonio Banderas. I think it's a really, really good film. And then after that, he does Rollerball, and, which is terrible. But it's just a bad film. Is that the film. Chris Klein one? Yeah. Chris, yeah I believe Chris good. Klein, I think LL Cool J. It's just not a good movie. <laughs> no, it's not. And then nothing. Like I think he did one after that and nothing for the last like, 15, 18 years. I mean, he made Die Hard and Predator. Does he need to do anything more? No. And here's what I love is he made my favorite two Die Hards. He did. That's right. With a vengeance. Yeah, he well, didn't right? do two. He didn't do two. Well, two. Explain to me who the bad guy is supposed to be in Die Hard 2. Uh, Alan Rigman, but we killed him. <laughs> I mean, there's no bad guy in Die Hard in the sequel. Like, there's just no bad uh-uh. guy. 
It doesn't make any sense. Uh, fun fact that the original title of this was Hunter, changed to Predator in uh, post-production. And the green blood, why it looks so familiar to both me and you, glow sticks. That's what the green blood was. It's just from glow sticks. I thought you were going to say the KY jelly that they mixed it with. No. I was keeping this hmm. out of that realm. But, uh, but yeah, no glow sticks. Glow sticks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely re- glow sticks. I read that. Uh, I read that they mixed the glow stick liquid with KY jelly. And all I could think was, yeah, this group of fucking idiots, that's probably what they you could have mixed it with literally anything. And you know, you know that like Jesse Ventura was mixed that with some KY. Well, I mean, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go. <laughs> I baited with... you. I, you're getting. You're so mature now. Now that oh, is that moved, what I am? No, now that yes. you've moved, you're all mature and <laughs> not taking the bait. No, nah, it's 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 Hawkins comic relief. Like I can't top those jokes that are so fucking good. Wow. And, and he, I mean, he, one thing on his mind, and it's not funny. <laughs> it's at not all. funny. None of it's funny. And what's really uh, terrible is you know that's Shane Black. Obviously. Who has written, you know, some of the great action buddy movies ever that have been really funny. Yes. And then I'm looking, you know, I'm doing my research because, you know, professionalism or whatever. But those were his jokes. So, like, write some jokes for him. And I'm like, those were the jokes? I don't get it. And here's the thing. Shane Black, the only reason he's in this film is to have a script doctor on set. That's That's got to be it. I know he wanted to be an actor in certain ways and yes he he's been in several things he's done he's been in movies um he excels as a writer yes. not in this film no not in this film no uh but you know perfor- and he doesn't he doesn't excel as an actor in this film either no no, no. it's a very very one note um not a lot of range it's funny though because like a lot of our heroes get killed and for the most part I'm like yeah that's fine that's a great point and upon watching this again and again I find myself not caring who fucking dies at no, all. No, except for Bill Duke. Like, Bill Duke was the only one who, A, came to this as, like, I'm an actor. I should act in this movie. Everybody else is like, I need to get yoked. <laughs> and oh, can, can we just, can we go back? I feel like we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. I got to talk about Dutch meeting Dylan. Well, of course, we have to go over the characters and we have to go over, like, parts of this film. And that's one of the first things we see is the arm wrestling handshake in the air, but the sheer excitement with which Schwarzenegger says this line. Dylan! You son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been more excited to see anyone in your life? It's He doesn't even sound like his character in the rest of the movie. No! It's like it was Christmas morning and all he asked for was Dylan. Here's my theory. Um, Carl Weathers, who plays Dylan, obviously Thank you. better known as Apollo Creed, <laughs> for the listeners. I mean, he took this role as payback for getting killed off in Rocky Four, right? Okay, uh, so you got to give me a minute here because I'm, I'm going to do my Carl Weathers minute. I'm, it's hard-pressed to think of an actor better suited to succeed in the 80s and 90s action boom than Carl Weathers. And I don't think there's been an actor who's been fucked over more than Carl Weathers. Because he's in this great... Fr- he does not have to die in Rocky Four. I'm sure we'll have a Rocky Four episode and I'll get into it at that point. There is absolutely zero reason for Apollo Creed to die. In a, you can have the same movie. 
literally nothing has to put his ass in a coma. That's all you have to do because Rocky and Apollo Creed were so awesome together every time they were on screen. So he gets bounced out of that. Then he does Predator, right? As sort of like, well, I got, I got killed in Rocky Four. Get me into a new franchise. Nope. Why are we killing Carl Weathers in this movie? Well, he's a company man, okay? He's gone soft in the CIA pushing pencils and wearing ties, but... But you've always got to convert one of the company men. That's the whole... That's the thing is you bring them back. This is this is Vin D getting Paul Walker to come back to the streets. Okay. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear I hear what you're saying. I love the, the foresight that uh, the Thomas brothers I should have Carl had Weathers, on, on this. I love Carl Weathers. Well, I love Carl Weathers too. And here's the thing. I think Carl Weathers felt the same way you do, where he went to Sly and he's like, why the fuck are you killing me off? I mean, don't you see how how big and important I am to this franchise? Sly kills him off. Carl Weathers is like, fine, I'll go work with Arnold, motherfucker. Right. Goes and works with Arnold. We know at the time, Sly and Arnold, real big rivals. Sly taking Stop Him and Mom Will Shoot because he thought Arnold was going to take the movie. All that shit that was going on back in the day between those two. Which is so funny because they could not make more different movies. It, it's weird, though, to have two guys who are, you know, muscle-bound, roided-out, like, action stars, where I would not flip any of their movies. I could not see Sly in this movie. Hmm. Just like I couldn't see Schwarzenegger in a Rambo. I could see Schwarzenegger in a Rambo. Uh, I, I think I could if his American accent was better so that he could really pull off you know, they called me baby killer and all that stuff. They drew first blood, all that kind of, you know, if he could really pull that off and really get that through, but but he doesn't have that accent. He can't really, he can't really do that. But I see what you're saying. They, I mean, they bring different things to the table. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, obviously egos and you're making more money than me or whatever. I, I get all that shit, but it's just so funny to me that I could never imagine the two of them going up for like the same part and it coming down to, okay, are we going to go Arnie? Or are we going to go Sly? Like, I just, it it's doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. I could see Sly in Total Recall, but then again, Arnold's so perfect in Total Recall. Ah, you know, it's a tough one. When they can embody the characters that they play so well, it's, it makes it, it makes it difficult to to change them out, right? Yeah, when they mine that pay dirt, it's really hard to <laughs> imagine switching them out of their gear. I agree with you. Um, I would say, though, let's go over the, the crew, because you brought up the introduction of Dylan yeah. and Dutch seeing Dylan again and the glistening, Dylan! sweating, sweat-filled, <laughs> arm-wrestling handshake. Jesus, I man. mean, homoerotic levels not seen since Top Gun, maybe? Inspired by, one would think. <laughs> I mean, like, just... And what I love, first of all, a great shot. Like, this is Michael, oh, yeah. Michael Bay saw the shot of that arm-wrestle, like, freeze frame real quick and was like, I'm going to make movies dedicated to that shot. <laughs> That's all I give a shit about. But then they continue to, again, in the air arm wrestle. Oh, yeah. Was just so, it's so weird. Um, the whole the whole title sequence, meeting the general, like, I, I don't know. It, it's great. Like, I'm not, I'm not dissing it. It was fantastic. You meet all the guys really quickly. Well done. But I love, I, I love, love, love the introduction of Carl Weathers in this movie. It's so good. The character introductions overall, show, don't tell. That's what yeah. they do. They get right into this film. Okay. They get right into what's going on, where you guys need to get. Let's get to the action. McTiernan mm. 
great at just getting you to the fucking action. Exposition, you'll pick up shit along the way. You don't really need much. My plots aren't complicated. Yeah, Anna's going to supply it at some point. She will have a speech really late in the movie to explain <laughs> everything that's going on. She'll she'll fill everyone in on, on what's happening. Did you also feel that the chopper footage looked extremely sped up as they were flying <laughs> through? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, we get Jesse Ventura's first line ever spoken in a film, as far as I know. Bunch of slack-jawed faggots around here. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Not great. Not, Not super great delivery. Del- but he, but here's the thing. I You know, when I learn from somebody what will make me a sexual tyrannosaurus, <laughs> then I've got what I need out of Jesse the Body Ventura. Pardon me. Pardon me. Let me put some respect on it. Governor Jesse the Body Ventura. That's true. Yeah. We should probably transition to the political background. There are the future political futures. Oh, this that is a huge breeding ground for American politics. It really is. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's start with the aforementioned Jesse Ventura as Blaine. Right. Uh, he's got some great lines. I ain't got time to bleed. Does great who, one. Here's the thing. Who does? Who does? Who does? Who does? He's got time to duck, but he ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> extremely over the top uh, in this film. I don't think he realized he was not in WWE at the moment. It's almost like he's a professional wrestler. It really is. It really, really <laughs> is. But, and you can probably speak to this a lot more than I can. All I know, governor of Minnesota. Yes. And I believe he was like a libertarian party. Independent. Is that correct? He ran as an independent, independent. Uh, and was elected and then wasn't. Did he, how were his policies? Did he do a lot of good stuff? I there? mean, I didn't live in Minnesota. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but you follow, you know, domestic politics. Yeah, in Minnesota. In Minnesota. No, I, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know a ton about Jesse the Body Ventura's <laughs> platform. Um, I recognize uh, that he won an election in Minnesota, and the voters of Minnesota appreciated that so much that they had no intention of electing him to anything else ever again. So that's what I that's what I know about him because I know his bid for Senate went absolutely nowhere. So. Well, leading into another bid for Senate that went absolutely cool. nowhere, and that's, uh, I think, your favorite character in the film, Billy, played by Sonny Landham. So, th- he's an actual actor, okay? He's studied. He's been in numerous films <laughs> he's been before a lot of this. Films. He's been in a lot of films. Been in a lot of films. Um, his character in this film has a really insane superpower where he can not only track where things are, he can recreate with accuracy, shit that happened not even on the ground. Well, and and that's the thing. Like this, this is one of the things that's got to is the older I get, the more it pisses me off about Hollywood. Is the whole like, okay, we have a Native American character, gotta be a mystical. He has to have mystical powers, you know. And this was, I mean, this shit's still going on, but there's just this whole not like his character is nonsense. Now I happen to, uh, Sonny Landon is a, just a terrible person in real life so it's easy yes. to not give a shit about where his career was he's fucking menacing uh he's menacing in 48 hours yes he's, he is i mean scares the shit out of me in that movie but you know they had to hire a bodyguard for him that's the only way he could get insured and the bodyguard wasn't to protect him it was to protect other people from him yeah that is a unique situation in 80s Hollywood where there was no social media, there was no TMZ, so you could kind of go around 
and do a bunch of fucked up shit and nobody would know about it. But he would get into so much crap and start so much that even Schwarzenegger and all these, you know, big dudes. I kept reading the phrase. Everything I read about this movie was Schwarzenegger going, this is a man. I need manly men in this movie. And this is a manly movie. Manly, manly, manly. I'm like, yes, we get it. A lot of sweat, a lot of biceps. We see it. Um, but he was like, yeah, we need to have somebody uh, protecting the public from Sonny Landham, who, when he decided to run multiple times for various offices uh, in Kentucky, he was somehow able to find room to the right of Mitch McConnell. Yeah. In his Don't bid for Senate. That one. Don't which is that uh, one. a really uh, difficult place to find. And then the. It, I think it was the Libertarian Party, maybe, or Independent. Correct. Independent, one of those two, where they dropped him from the ticket after he decided to go on a super racist rant calling for the genocide of basically anybody from the Middle East. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, he's a piece of shit. And I, you know, his death in this movie didn't bother me at all either. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he sacrificed himself, all right? This was him going for his Oscar moment. I really think this entire film. He's like, this is the one. I'm going to get it. Best supporting. I'm going to get it. I'm very excited about this. I deserve it. I've worked hard for it. Um, look at my body. And look at how I deliver these lines in the same manner throughout the entire film. And I really don't stand out that much in this movie. No. Okay? This ragtag group, aside from um, Hawkins, who stands out, Mac, played by Bill Duke, and Blaine, Jesse Ventura... I'm telling you, uh, fucking Billy and Poncho do not stand. They are forgotten characters yeah. in this movie, which is crazy. Yeah, because you're everyone's so over the top and and nuts. Billy is. It's like they wake him up and he just says his line. It's really weird. There's no reaction to yeah. it. Somebody will be talking to him and he just like jolts awake and spits out his line and then moves on. Um, but the, but the helicopter, you know, going back to sort of the brilliance of getting to the action and getting shit out of the way quickly was getting into the helicopter and just introducing each one of these guys. We realize that Hawkins is a fucking, you know, guy who needs, needs people to like him and is trying to make friends with people because he's the scrawny little dude that all these, you know, big, you know, buff dudes are trying to prove how manly they are. Jesse Ventura spitting on Carl Weathers boot, uh, Bill Duke back there shaving for some reason. Repeatedly. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of shaving for him. Uh, yeah, so there, there's a lot of testosterone and you, you, you meet everybody very quickly and you meet every, you know, who they're going to be. And, you know, I sort of, you know, there's veterans in the movie, uh, you know, uh, obviously Jesse Ventura, he was a Vietnam veteran, uh, Richard Chavez, who plays Ponch, uh, was a Vietnam veteran. And so, you know, there's a lot of military uh, expertise or experience that was on set. But I still think it's funny that when they got the military advisor together to run boot camp with these guys for like a week, he was like, well, I get that you're all really big and strong, but we're going on a run because if you're in the military and if you can't run, you're fucked. Like, I don't care how strong you are. If you can't run, you're done. And so I, I like that guy. You can tell they did some training for the film. They were in some decent shape. And they had a, they, I'm sure they had a gym available to them. Oh, Absolutely. Um, I do want to discuss the fact that Arnold, as charismatic as he is, my opinion, the most boring of the characters in this film by far. I mean, he's 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 the one that keeps the group together. He's the leader, all that. Doesn't seem to have a superpower like the other guys, you know? 
Mac is a silent killer. He has nothing. He has nothing to do. It's it's kind of crazy. Like it stands out upon rewatching and like dissecting where they didn't really give Arnold a whole a whole lot here. Absolutely. I was I was thinking that today because I rewatched um a little bit of it this morning. And there's a good like 30 something minutes where not only does Arnold not say anything, he's not really in any of the shots. You know, there's other movies that we have where our main characters maybe don't say anything for 20 or 25 minutes, but the shots are following them. They are the focal point of the action that's happening. They just don't speak. He's just nowhere to be seen. And then he sort of pops up and they're like, hey, Dutch. And you're like, oh, shit, I kind of forgot Arnold was in this. I mean, he does have one of the most iconic lines. There's plenty of one-liners in this film, yes. but obviously the iconic one. Get to the chopper! The SNL spoof of that was pretty... Fu- was it SNL or was it like on The Tonight Show? Anyway, he was on an infomercial trying to sell sell a chopper, like, you know, to chop onions and vegetables and all that kind of stuff, and... They were going over all these different products, and he just keeps getting more and more pissed. He's like, "Just get to the chopper," <laughs> and it's 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 a funny it's a funny bit when you see it once. I did I did appreciate reading uh, where they apparently brought him some lines or whatever, and he was basically saying, "I'm not going to say any of that stuff. I'm not here for speeches. Uh, that's not <laughs> what I do." And I just appreciate the self awareness. No, Arnold, that's not what you do. Here's what you do. You're in the movie to have the raid on the rebel camp, and you decide, I'm just going to pick up this truck and throw it down the hill. That's what you're here for. Obviously, a nod to twins. <laughs> and by the way, Sharp Machete got right through that belt. Oh, yeah. I mean, throwing knives with awesome lines afterwards, like stick around. Stick around, absolutely. Really good. Obviously, we went over the chopper line. Red, that was an ad lib. Arnold came to play. He was in the moment. He's totally in the moment. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're one ugly motherfucker. I mean, these are just classic lines that you think of whenever you think of great writing in Hollywood. He trips on that word motherfucker a little bit. Yes, he does. A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. He does. He puts a little stank on it. He puts a little something on it. Uh, I love in the end when he's pleading, kill me, I'm here, kill me, kill me now. You know, it's, it's, it's great. It's it's really good. That was a good, good delivery. Arnold, by I the way. Feel. You slipped that in. You were just like ramping up, but I heard that. That was good. Whatever. That was it's, good. I'm, hey, you know what? Every now and then. You got Arnold on lock. Just give up Boston. Give up Irish. <laughs> give up Scottish. Stick with Arnold. I mean, who is it? It's Bill Hader who tells the story about because he was a PA, uh, collateral damage. I think it was collateral damage. If that's wrong, sorry, listeners. He was a PA on that movie. And he does a great Arnold impersonation. And he talks about Arnold talking about filming Predator with John McTiernan and being in the jungle and all this all this stuff that's going on. And then he slips into, but Arnold is like, you know, kind of weird because he then, he asked me where these two people were, which I think were like the makeup artist and the hairdresser. And Bill Hader's like, oh, you want me to find them? He's like, yes, yes. Show me your leadership capabilities. <laughs> He's like, well, they're right over there, about five feet from you. <laughs> I always feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger is on this permanent like self-improvement. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> he wants to be Tony Robbins. Yeah, I was going to say, if Tony Robbins wasn't a thing, that's what he would have transitioned to. Totally. I By, by the way, uh, we did forget to mention Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger when we were going through the— Well, that's what I was going to yeah. get to. I was going to get to, obviously, the one we can't forget is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who became governor— 
I lived in California when that was going on. I was it. I want to say it was Gray Davis. Yep. He got recalled. Yes, he did. Not exactly sure why. Um, and Arnold ran, I believe, against uh, was it Mary Carey, the porn star, was one of the people. It was a whole ragtag group yeah, that it were was running a, for that it seat. Was a, we'll just call it a hodgepodge of uh, political folk. And Arnold was able to rise to the top. Yep. Because I remember, I see, I wasn't here. I knew about the recall, but I didn't live in California at the time. And then when I did move here, he was still my governor. I'll be honest with you. I didn't follow any politics then. I have no idea what his policies were. I have no idea what he did. That's not what this podcast is for. (laughs) It's not. It's not at all. But that's my point is all these, you know, we have... You know, two governors from this movie and people with political aspirations can't remember what any of them did in terms of politics. So they were way more effective in being in Predator than they were in politics, it seems I like. I knew there was a big, I remember there being, and when I say big, I mean online presence where people were like, okay, is Schwarzenegger now going to run for president? So is there going to be this attempt to a- modify or amend the Constitution in order to allow <laughs> Schwarzenegger to run for president? Um, that was a short lived theory. Um, but you know, he got back into movies. It's all good. He actually was in Expendables in a few of those, which I think was directly ripped off from a one line in this film. You sales It's all bullshit. All of it. The cabinet minister, the whole business. Got us in here to do your dirty work. Look, we just stopped a major invasion. In three days, they'd have been across the border with this stuff. Why us? Because nobody else could have pulled it off. You pissed about the cover story. I knew I couldn't get you in here without it. So what story did you hand to Hopper? Look, we've been looking for this place for months. My men were in that chopper when it got hit. Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men, and he disappeared. He didn't disappear. He was skinned alive. And my orders were to get somebody and who could crack these bastards. So you cooked up a story and dropped the six of us in a meat grinder. What happened to you, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. I woke up. Why don't you? You're an asset. An expendable asset. And I used you to get the job done. Got it? There, There's your Genesis, Sly. That's exactly the Genesis. My ears perked up when I heard that because I am a gigantic fan of the Expendables movies. Particularly the first two. And the first one's great. Like, it's a legitimately yeah. great action movie. Uh, they become... Derivative is not really the right word, but it just becomes a lot more of the same. But the same was pretty good. So two and three continue to be good. Totally. So we can't forget to mention uh, El Padilla Carrillo, who played Anna. And Uh as I'm watching this movie, she's the only female in the movie. And I could not stop thinking to myself how miserable that must have been. Just awful. Because these guys sounded offset from everything I read. It was just basically a frat house mentality which sounds awful to me and i'm a guy like i just can't imagine (laughs) how fucking terrible that experience had to be well that brings up a question that i actually had for you does her character even need to be in this movie she does not that's correct it's fine that she is doesn't take anything away but it's also completely unnecessary yeah it's i don't think them i'm not sure what purpose she serves it doesn't humanize our heroes anymore no it would have made more sense honestly i think from a script standpoint shane should have spoke up here that speech she gives at the end explaining the predator had that happened right when they left the camp 
it totally va- uh, validates her character's existence and why they would have taken her, why they would have taken her with them. Because give her the, look, I have some experience with the Predator. I'm not saying I know how to find him, but this thing comes when it's really hot and takes our people and you can't see him and this is not an animal, you know, whatever. Feed some of that through. It makes way more sense to me that she's in the movie. But in the order that they decide to go, it makes no sense to me. Because by the time she says, basically, this is the Predator, they're figured out that it's a non- earth-bound thing or an unknown predator of some kind and they need to figure out a different way to attempt to kill it. So what's the point? Completely agree. And the interesting part to me, which I am very happy about, is they did not make her get naked. There was no nudity. No need for it. I'm very happy none of the guys tried to rape her. They steered clear of all those tropes, which don't add anything and would not have any value in this film at all. I cannot believe they sidestepped that because in every 80s movie, it's a 100% chance you're going to have totally unnecessary nudity or sex scene. Like I thought, you know, in a bunch of different versions of this movie in the 80s, she's naked or something at the very beginning when they find her in the camp, something like that, right? Yeah. No, it was, yes, I totally agree with you. But her introduction, which is one of the hardest cuts in movie history, when she sticks the gun in the back of Arnold's head or Dutch's head, and then he turns around. Like, that's just a hard cut. That's the poor sequence right there. Because he should be dead. She should have just shot Mm -hmm. him. And that was it. But anyway, I digress on on that one. I want to talk about um, some of the killing that happens in this film. There's a lot of it. it. I was going to say, you want to be more specific? (laughs) Well, one I want to talk about is when our man Bill Duke as Mac kills the pig. Yeah. It's exactly like killing the panda in Tropic Thunder. Yes, it is. And I love it. (laughs) And I just love it. I just love that Stiller has a nice nod. I thought about that because, you know, this movie did show me a lot of jokes I didn't get in the past. Uh-huh. How many how many movies tried to rip this movie off in a dramatic sense? How many movies have tried to rip this off in a comedic sense? And so there were a ton of films, and Tropic Thunder was one of them that I thought about when I saw that scene. Absolutely. It's just, it's great. Uh, there's great killing of, like, the scorpion, foreshadowing how the predator gets killed by getting crushed. Yep. I like that. The predator, though, and we're going to talk about the Predator films, because I know you haven't seen them, so I'm going to go over This did not inspire me to run through the Rolodex of Predator films. Well, you might be inspired after I talk to you, so hold, hold that thought there. But the Predator itself, until it gets to the final fight against uh, Dutch, I mean, no one stands a chance against this fucking thing. This thing is unstoppable. It has advanced technology, weapons. It can fucking cloak itself so you can't see it and then just... Stab you out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So all the deaths that happen, really, I mean, they're gory, they're action-filled, but there's no competition. Right. I mean, even even Dylan, when he gets his arm shot off and it's he's still shooting, (laughs) he's still shooting. You know how strong you gotta be. Oh, well, you Carl Weather's strong. To be shooting a gun, have your arm cut off, and the hand be like, Hey, it's okay, man. I still got it. (laughs) I still got it. I'm pumping. I am pumping. Good effect, though. That arm looked real. It was a good effect. It was a very good effect. Very good effect. 
Um, shooting into nothing. I mean, they they unload so much ammunition uh-huh. into that jungle. Yep. Um, Mac goes insane, but the predator just easily picks them off one by one. Right. Right. I mean, a couple of them get some shots off, and the predator starts to bleed a little bit. Leads to the famous line that we went over. But for the most part, it's not it's not competitive at all until we get to the final scene, and it's Dutch figuring out okay. This is heat. He can only see when, when I'm, you know, when I'm my body temperature, so I can cover that up in mud or whatever. Now he can't see it because his heat vision doesn't work. Which, for an advanced species, you'd think they'd have some other kind of options, but whatever. I guess I would say, I, I mean, yes, I totally agree. I, I have some issues with the predators' hunting capabilities <laughs> that don't quite line up for me. But you mentioned. Um, you know, these different kills and these different fights. And I, I guess my question for you is because the, it, it's rare in an action movie, like when you're watching Kickboxer, there's a bunch of fights. Yes. Right? Even even Die Hard, there's a bunch of individual dual yeah. combat fights. And when I'm thinking about action movies, I commonly think about what is my favorite fight in this movie? What what matchup like if I have it if I can fast forward to something what do I want to fast forward to and watch Gladiator is a perfect example of that. This one I'm thinking about best fights and then you realize there's really two. Uh huh. There's the Rebel camp and there's the the final fight. But I think my favorite fight because I think it's hilarious is what you just mentioned was where Bill Duke sees the Predator for the first time and they just for three straight minutes. Unload every weapon, every round, everything they can think of, and there's no cuts. Like it's just, no. it, it's basically the camera doing a windshield wiper effect, just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I remember looking at it and going, I mean, okay, it's over now, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. Still going. Nope. Still going. Still going. Go to the bathroom, come back. Bill Duke still pulling a trigger. And there's like five of them, yep. and only one of them saw something. So the other guys don't even know what was seen. Oh, he's unloading. Let's unload. Well, I don't know where I'm aiming, but I'll aim wherever he is. Tactical. And just keep going. Tactical precision. Yes. Really, I mean, this is a team. This is the team. Green Berets die, and this team succeeds. Okay? So that's the level of the American military for this movie. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Yes. That's some crazy shit right there. That's- it was, and it seems also wild if you're out there trying to kill something that you would use what appeared to be the rest of your ammunition. It really, it really, I mean, how much can you hold? Because it's heavy. It's heavy. It's made of metal and stuff. So, yeah. You can expect a certain amount of heft. They use all of it, they unload <laughs> all of it into that fucking jungle. And that's why it, by the end, when it's just Dutch against the Predator, I mean, he's got nothing but like sticks and shit. And I'm going to cut down some wood and I'm going to set some booby traps and all that. I, I, and, and that's like a very cool way to kind of get to that primitive um, fighting moment, you know, that primitive fight that they have at the end. Yep. But as I was saying before, like usually I think about my, my favorite fight in this one, it's more thinking about my favorite death, <laughs> you know, like which, which dick is super gory. You know, you see, flayed human beings hanging upside down you see people's heads and spines ripped out of their bodies and whatnot but jesse ventura's death is spectacular it's really good where he wings him with we'll just call it the lightning bolt i don't fucking know i'm sure there's like a (laughs) thermo core uh whatever name for it but i'm gonna call it the lightning bolt Uh and it like wings him 
and Jesse Ventura turns around. Why does he not shoot him again? Or no, does he spear? No, he spears him, and that wings he spears him. him, and then he, he spears him. Lightning bolts him through the chest. Yeah, so good, so so good. My favorite death has got to be Mac because his head pops like a balloon. Okay, when they cut back, his head is still attached. I'm like, that is totally not what you just showed me. That's correct. But it works. Oh, it totally works. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, yes, that's not a complaint. Completely I, pops. When I, when I was first watching the movie, and I was doing it, I wasn't taking notes or anything like that. I was like, I just want to consume this film. And when his head pops, and they cut back to a head, I'm like, is that Mac? I thought they cut to somebody else, because I was like, no, that guy's head is everywhere. That's a whole problem now, cleanup-wise. But it would no, that was an excellent shot. And there's really those are the special effect shots that really stand out to me. It's it's less to me about the cloaking effect and things like that. The deaths are really, really good. And I think they were able to concentrate on making them really good because they didn't have to worry about choreographing fights. Not at all. I mean, you couldn't get the predator to really move. So I want to talk about Kevin Peter Hall right now. All star um, of this movie. All star <laughs> I mean, of this movie as the predator in the suit, not the voice of the predator, Peter Cullen is the voice of the Predator, voice of a lot of, like Optimus Prime has a lot, does a lot of voice work. Um, but Kevin Peter Hall was in the suit. He was the one who replaced JCVD. This guy is so good that he's an actor that I think a lot of people love. They don't, just don't even know that they love him because how can you not love Harry in Harry, from the, in Harry and the Hendersons? Okay, he's, he's so perfect in that movie, the, the character of Harry. And Kevin Peter Hall plays him. And he's great. And I think he would have had a really... Really outstanding career had he not tragically died from a blood transfusion that gave him AIDS after a car accident and he ended up dying at 35. And that's just, it's just upsetting because this guy had the size, but he also had the ability to, to act. Like you cannot tell me, no one can watch Harry and the Hendersons and say, oh yeah, that Harry character was kind of boring. No, he's fucking amazing. He makes the movie. He goes toe to toe with Lithgow. Yeah. Harry and the Hendersons is an underrated great movie and i think it gets lost because when people think about it they think about the tv show alf or some shit like that right and it's like no this is this is a good movie it's just a good movie i don't i don't really know what more to say about it without turning this into a harry and the hendersons episode but it's really good and when i read about how he died i was like oh god that's yeah fucking terrible sucks but he's great and so this suit is difficult to move in so that's why i think the movements are, are tough to film as a fight scene and the final scene with Dutch, the climax, it's well done. It's it's well shot. It's hilarious with the Predator doing the laugh at the end yes. as he's going to blow himself up. Um, I still think Duke would have been vape or sorry, I still think Dutch would have been vaporized. Yeah, hundred because that bomb's going to spread a hell of a lot more, less a lot further. But it's just it's just a fun movie overall to watch. And if you watch this in the dark, like by yourself. There are some legit, like, scary parts. Well, can we talk about that final fight real quick? Absolutely. Because I, I give Kevin Peter Hall all the credit in the world. They put him in an impossible position to move and have a fight. So that fight is one of the clunkiest fight. Like, it was just yeah. so – it was like elbows didn't work. You were just, like, sort mm-hmm. of using your arms as battering rams and – you know, because of that, you could tell that Arnold couldn't really, you know, hit him or or strike. Like, it was just a very clunky. So I think what they ended up doing, at least this is what it looked like to me. I don't know that this was the original plan. was a ton of really try to quick cuts as much as they could to cover the strike. 
and yeah. then and then sort of move on because it, it was you could just tell the way that uh, the predator was lumbering along that it be it was like I would have done away what you know when he sets the the nuclear bomb which I understand the second movie confirms that Dutch had to recover from radiation sickness so it was a nuclear yes. weapon like do away with that scene of like the hand trying to press the buttons to set the detonator uh, that it was little things like that that took me out like really took me out of the movie because it looked like a bad college production of something but <laughs> uh, the final fight I I got to it and I was just I get that our heroes always overcome impossible odds I mean in true lies he's standing on a plane so I understand that there's crazy odds that our guys are going to overcome how does he not get killed by the predator I don't even makes understand. no sense to me I, I, makes just no, don't I think the predator underestimates him yeah I, I guess maybe what ends up happening is it's I, I guess when I watch aliens or movies that have aliens with them I assume that the advanced species does not have the ego that humans are infected with so well as you'll find out when I tell you about the entire predator universe predators definitely have egos <laughs> they must have because it might because he does decide to go like let's just fight hand-to-hand combat yeah. at the end for no reason. Like, okay. This is all sport to them. Yeah. It's 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 a whole different philosophy because I think death to them is almost welcomed in many ways because they go down, they go down swinging and they are just they're literally just predators and they literally go around and they want to beat up the toughest people and we'll get into those those details in a minute. So you hold tight on that one. Well, can I can I ask and you you let me know if this question is better answered later, but uh you know, in my opinion, what this movie is really lacking in understanding, because I will say this, I'm an hour into the movie and I don't really understand the plot. Like, what am I what's supposed to be happening or what am I supposed to be watching? Whereas the beginning of the movie before we get into the helo with Dutch and his crew, you know, if there's something that shows me why the predator is going to Earth, I don't know why. And it's okay, I think, for a movie or a script to figure out the whole puzzle towards the end of the movie. That's actually preferred as opposed to giving it to you all at the beginning. But even in, let's call it Independence Day, we don't have a conversation between aliens saying, let's go conquer the Earth. But because they are setting up all over the Earth, you understand what's happening, right? right? That I was missing in this movie. And that's what they basically try to expand on in all of these sequels. Okay, so that, that I basically – you asked me to hold on and I said, no, I'm not going to hold on. I'm going <laughs> to ask the question now. But so. no, it's it's valid because I don't know that they had that – the writers had that in their, in their head when they wrote it, what the actual origin or what the mythology would be behind these characters. They just thought it was awesome to have an alien badass killing machine and let's see what our commandos can do against it. Right. And that's fair. And it was a compelling movie. Like, I, I, I know it sounds like I didn't like the movie. It wasn't that at all. It's just a different watch, you know, at 37 than it probably would have been at 17 or 12 or whatever it is. All those questions you had, I just brush off because of all the nostalgia. It's 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 the craziness about watching a movie like that. It, it really is. Well, and I think, too, had, you know, I know Sonny Landham from 48 Hours, and that's pretty much it. You know, yeah. I know Jesse Ventura as a governor who I guess used to be a wrestler because I didn't really watch wrestling. And that's it. Like, I didn't 
watch Running Man and or you know whatever else he was in. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't. I'm not connected to Arnold. I don't have that. So as I'm going to this movie, there's really nobody on screen that is able to like unlock my nostalgia for that. So that's why when I revisit 80s action movies, I've seen basically everything Sly Stallone's ever done. So if you want to give me over the top, I, you're giving me Loja. You're giving me Sly Stallone. You know, I'm in. I even recognize, I love it when I'm watching movies and I recognize the other arm wrestlers from over the top who were in Roadhouse or, you know, or were in Cobra or whatever. I just don't have that connection to this movie. So as I'm watching it, I'm just watching it as purely a movie fan. And it's certainly to me like a six, you know, it's, it's definitely watchable. It's a good movie, but I just can't unlock that other part that has me saying, okay, I can't wait to watch this again. Right, right. But I think you will. Something tells me you will. It sounds like you're going to kidnap me. You're going to lock me in a basement, and you're going to play it until I come out going. Predator was the greatest film ever made. I mean, can either confirm or deny, but that may happen. But (laughs) I'm telling you, you'll watch it again. Let's talk about the Predator universe that was spawned as a result of this film. Okay, this is where Cole goes away because I'm learning along with the listener, and I'm by no means an expert on this, but I have seen all of them. Some of them. Several times. So Predator 1987 kicks it all off. They want to do a sequel, right? The sequel comes out in 1990. They wanted Arnold. And the beginning of the movie was supposed to be where some mysterious creature kind of comes down or some mysterious figure comes down, lifts up the Predator's arm after the explosion and everything, goes onto the computer, and then sees that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Dutch, is the target. And so that was what was going to be the sequel. But they couldn't get Arnold to agree to do it. Arnold didn't really do sequels other than Terminator 2 and maybe a couple other ones. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. So then another idea they had was let's have it take place in World War II, which I think this is an actual interesting idea. So one of the other ideas for Predator 2 was let's have it take place during World War II. We're going to have a... um, a ceasefire between these German forces and these American forces because whatever the case may be is they're in the middle of a ceasefire. All of a sudden, the Predator shows up in the snow and then the two forces, Germans and Americans, during World War II have to join together, these little groups that are fighting each other. They have to then take on the Predator. I think that's an interesting idea. I like that. I like that, especially considering what we actually got for Predator 2 with Gary Busey Danny Glover, no Arnold. The Predators in L.A. It's not good. The Predators this is not in a good L.A. Film. Yeah, it takes place in Los Angeles. Of course, it does. It takes place in Los Angeles. Anna's in it. She reprises her her <laughs> role. Good for her. She was um, good. She's the only one from the original. Yeah, she was good. But she's the only one from the original because everyone else died, and Arnold didn't want to be in it. Um, it's not good. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So I would avoid Predator Two at all costs. Done. You know what? Sold. So that's 90, and that movie's so bad that it's not for another 14 years until we get another one. And that other one is AVP, Alien vs. Predator. This came out when I was in college. I saw this in the theater. I've seen it numerous times since. I'm going to tell you right now, this is a surprisingly entertaining film. I built this movie when I was working at a movie theater. I remember building the reels. I've threaded this movie a million times. Hard pass on uh, testing that one out. You did not watch it. No, I just hit play on it and hope it wasn't scratched. Well, I got one I got one name that will make you want to watch it. 
Sanal Latham is in the film. Oh. Main character. God, I love her. Yeah. And you're going to love her in this. Can we do love and basketball, please? Absolutely. It's fine. I'm not going to. What am I going to say? No. Come on. I just wanted to put you on the spot while we're recording. Yes, we can play love and basketball. We can, we can, we yes, can, we can yes, do yes, it. Cole, we can do this. It's okay. That's we can do not, it. Not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> I'll get Dennis Haysbert. He'll be on the pod. It'll be great. Absolutely. I'm sure we can get Epps. Oh, we can definitely get Epps. Yeah. Mike Tomlin, no problem. <laughs> so Alien versus Predator explains where not only Predator's backstory is, but also explains where aliens came from. So the story with the Predators are the Predators thousands and thousands of years ago came to earth gave humans advanced technology they built the pyramids they built all this advanced technology stuff and in return all they asked was you sacrifice yourselves once every 100 years we need like i don't know 30 100 whatever volunteers and we're going to put the alien chest bursters so the the face huggers that then become the chest bursters that become the xenomorphs we're going to put those in you and then we get to hunt you for sport because that's what the predators like to do they like to hunt so predators actually it's not confirmed as to whether or not they created aliens but they use the alien face huggers and and all that kind of stuff to on, on humans in order to create them as a worthy adversary that they can then hunt down and, and kill. And so Alien versus Predator takes place in 2004, and it was uh, 1904 was the last time they were here, and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. So that's what the movie is about: them hunting them down, and then in the very end, uh, an alien gets into a predator. So then you have a alien predator hybrid, and then sure. the movie ends, uh, which leads us to I'm pretty sure it picks up pretty much right after. AVPR, which is Alien vs. Predator Requiem in 2007, very forgettable. Not a good movie. Not a good movie. Did not, did not do well. But they continued this three-year trend because Predators came out in 2010. And if I'm going to recommend any of them to you, I know you're going to watch AVP. I'll watch AVP S- now. Yeah. Sonal Latham. Yeah, absolutely. I know that. You're going to also want to watch Predators, okay? I'm going to read you the cast of Predators right now. Adrian Brody, Tover Grace. Mahershala Ali, Alice Braga, Larry Fishburne, Danny Trejo, Walton Goggins. Yeah, I'm in on that. The plot of this film is that it does not take place on Earth, but the worst killers from Earth are transported to a game preserve on a distant planet, and the Predators are then hunting them there for sport. Oh, it's Most Dangerous Game. I love Most Dangerous Game. Exactly. By the it's way, it's great. It's it's a really good movie. If you think for a minute I'm going to let you slide by and not call your shit on the fact that you and Larry Fishburne are apparently best friends because <laughs> only his buddies call him Larry. <laughs> I was wondering if you could pick up on that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I noticed that you tried not to breathe while you were running off the cast. <laughs> That's true. So I that definitely I wouldn't did. Be able to I interrupt to get you, but don't ever think that you're going to slide that speedball by me. Me and Morpheus, <laughs> a.k.a. Larry Fishburne. Best of friends. Okay. Look, he had a name, Cole Williams, in a movie. You think I think I'm closer with him than you are. All right. That's for all those out there. Twenty one is the film. It's, it's fine. It's a fine movie. It's fine. It's, it's fine a fine movie. movie. It's got yeah. Cole Williams in it. <laughs> um, he he's not that good in the movie. I'm gonna be honest with you, <laughs> Larry Fishburne in Twenty One, not that good. Let's not do this right now because now you're just trying to get back at me for calling you out. No, I'm not. I'm, is, I'm being honest. I don't think he's this that is good a in the movie. fight. This is probably a fight we should have not in front of 
the listeners. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then Predators 2010, not till 2018 when we get The Predator, a film which I dragged Rachel to at the Cinerama Dome. Yeah. Um, Poor girl. Definitely dragged her to that one. Yeah. Shane Black wrote, directed it, well, co-wrote it and, and directed it. Uh, not a good movie. Yeah. Tough, tough fucking watch. Just, I, was, I had so many high hopes for this one because it's Shane Black. Wow. I mean, predators are upgraded with DNA from other species. It's a big, giant pile of shit mess. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened during the production of this thing. Yeah, he was still it's pissed awful. off because he wasn't writing nice guys too. So he phoned in the Predator. Must be it because it's it's really, really bad. But that's about it. So it's Predator. Got it. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> so that's about it. So for you, your homework, AVP, AVP and Predators. Predators. Those, You'll both enjoy those, those. Both those movies sound like something I would like. Yeah, yeah. And they're total like... You can put that on while you're doing something else. <laughs> the si- Honestly, and I hope you guys know after, I mean, we've been doing this almost two years now. I hope you guys know by now that when we say that, that is not us dogging a movie. Not at all. That is absolutely a pro of a movie. It really is. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, how would you beat the Predator? That's a good question. That's a good question. Because you and I, obviously he's beatable because Arnold beat him. So if Arnold beat him, you and I could do it. So Absolutely. How like knowing what you know, being able to watch the simulation, what would you have done? Because the mud is bullshit. The mud is bullshit. The predator does not want to kill you if you're not armed. That's why Anna's character, or the character of Anna, that's why she was allowed to live and Hawkins got killed because she had a weapon. Right. I mean, he had, sorry, Hawkins had a weapon. She did not. So I would hide a weapon on my person somewhere where the predator couldn't detect it. And then be like, I'm unarmed. You can't kill me. It's against your predator code. Turns his back. That's when I pull the weapon from some place and, and kill him. What is this, Con Air? What are you, Dave Chappelle? You're going to cough up some gas and some matches? That's right. I'm going to do something. But that's, that's my best strategy other than run, which I know he can probably outrun me. I don't know. It looked awfully slow. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'll trip somehow, and that's it. This particular predator failed, Jim. Wherever predators live, this guy didn't uh, didn't excel. I, I don't have a great strategy. I'm gonna be honest with you, other than playing that card. What would your strategy be if you don't really, you know, have many weapons and stuff? So I, I want to be clear. I would die straight away. So would I. But I'm thinking, like, because I'm thinking about the mud, and the mud is total bullshit. Because unless you're going to cake yourself in inches and inches and inches of mud it's not going to work because you become the heat source and you'll heat up the outside and that's that so i'm thinking same way as you no weapon no threat so i would not keep a weapon i guess what i'm looking at it is not how would i beat the predator it's how would i survive the predator so i i would evade him i think i mean I think water's the best way to do it. Now, I know he can swim. He can swim. But if, if I'm in a place that has a larger... I, I need to stay somewhere where the heat source or the cooling source is bigger than me. So it will impose its temperature on me before I'm imposing my temperature on it. And so I'm thinking if I can somehow hide away in water long enough to where my core temperature and the water temperature somehow marry a little better... I can potentially Uh try to evade him. I mean, you know, I would also die of hypothermia, but I wouldn't get killed by the predator. And that's what's important. 
So you're going to hopefully fight the predator predator in a uh, desert hot springs. Yes. And uh-huh. Just, uh-huh. Just, what Jamal. I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself in boiling water. Motherfucker won't know what's me, what's water. <laughs> I'm just going to be outside hugging a cactus, thinking to myself, this was worth it. This is the yeah. play. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I There's no reason that the Predator should have lost at all. No. Um, it's arrogance, man. Yeah, and because it's, it's a sport pure, for yeah, them. And, 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 and when that's you, it. When you explain that, and I, I sort of figured that as, you know, that fight was going on as, oh, I'm going to beat this human because everything is too easy and now I'm bored. Yeah. Uh, but now that you explain that the whole mythology of the Predators is we like to go hunt for sport, then that makes significantly more sense. And this is separate from Prometheus and Alien Covenant and the kind of mythos that happens there. You could marry the two of them together with aliens and with humans coming from these creators. But, I mean, there's really no point in doing that. They're just two totally separate franchises at this point. Right. What do you got for recommendations for us? Well, uh, as far as my man Carl Weathers goes, watch Action Jackson. This is a very underrated, fun—it's not like a great film— it is a fun watch, and it just furthers how much my man got screwed on what he, – he should have had a franchise. Like, he should have been – basically, I think Snipes came in and stole whatever Carl Weathers was going to do. Um, but Action Jackson, I like it. I think it's a lot of fun. When it comes to Arnold, uh, I have three – or I have two Arnolds and one Arnold slash Shane Black. So I have Last Action Hero as a wreck because I really enjoy that movie. Uh, I like Eraser and I love True Lies. Those movies, however, don't have me wanting to go backwards in time to revisit Arnold's movies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They want me. I want to stay right there. For Bill Duke, Menace to Society. He plays one of the detectives in it. That's just a great film. And then for the Thomas Brothers, because basically they just lived in Predator land for their entire life. Like That's where they made their money. But they did write what I think is a really good movie, which is Executive Decision. That's a uh-huh. lot of fun. That's, you know, it's really hard to find the movies where a cocktail straw saves the world, but this <laughs> is that movie. So, Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal, correct? Yes. Uh, Oliver Platt. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think John Leguizamo is in that one. Yes, he is. Yes, yep. Johnny Legs is. It's a, great, it's a great cast. I think that's the one. Uh, that's Halle Berry as well. Yep. She's uh, in it, too. It's, it's hard because I, and I know what we're both doing. We're both going, before we name a name, was that one Passenger 57 or was that one Executive Decision? <laughs> They're both great, by the way. So, oh, they really are. <laughs> I mean, and Passenger 57, when you watch that again, you realize, wow, this is all on a soundstage. Yes. This is so yep. cheaply made. It's ridiculous. They don't even try to move that plane. No, not at all. But, uh, so those are my wrecks. What do you got? Okay, so for Arnold and Sly, because of the whole Expendables thing, I don't have the Expendables. I have what I think is their best movie together and what is actually a really entertaining good movie, Escape Plan. That's a great movie. I love Escape Plan. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Great fucking movie. Arnold's great in it. This was his, his like comeback yeah, film, this basically. Was, exactly. For Shane Black, as an actor, not a writer, because we've already gone over him as a writer and director and all that. He happens to have a role in Swing Vote. So I think that is a very timely recommendation. Uh, I'm recommending Swing Vote, the Kevin Costner Saw it in the theater. movie. Saw it in theater. Movie. It's a movie. It is a movie. It it's is a movie starring people. It is a movie with people in it. It's, it's hard to find a movie where you have Kevin Costner, Shane Black, and Richard Petty, but they pulled it off. 
<laughs> they they definitely definitely pulled something. I paid money for um, that. <laughs> Last Action Hero. I'm also going to recommend that because I love that. Yeah, film. I knew I was stealing that one for you or from you. Of course, yeah. de- deconstructing an action film, great. Yeah, I'm, it was so good. It. Like that movie's really really good. For Bill Duke, Bird on a Wire. I love yes, Bird, Bird on a Wire. Is a lot of fun. Goldie Hawn, Mel Gibson, great together in that film. Mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn is so oh good. Oh my gosh, always, always. Like if I was her, I would have retired too. Like I don't need the money, but she was so, so good. good. Uh, for Carl Weathers, Happy Gilmore, easy one, but yep. he's so perfect in that movie. And for Jesse Ventura, I have <laughs> the Will Sasso impersonation of Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Go watch it because it's it's one of the greatest oh, things God, I've ever it's seen. Great. It's so it's perfect. So good. It's, it's it's amazing. Will Sasso Will Sasso does a better Jesse Ventura than Jesse Ventura. Yes, yes. Oh no, that's so good. God, all those Mad TV guys. Like, there's a lot of good people on that show. A lot, a lot of talent, really. Well, guys, that about does it for our episode on Predator. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at cigarettburnspodcast at yahoo.com. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at sigburnspod. Please rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Cole, what episode do we have coming up next? Is it Love and Basketball? It sounds like it's Love and Basketball. Sounds like it's Love and Basketball because Cole's threatening to quit, evidently, if if I don't. He's like... <laughs> I, what's really funny is it's a curveball, but we've now, we've now said it. So, yes, the next episode will be Love and Basketball. So, feel free to hit us up with questions. Uh, I'm now very pumped Me too. for the next episode. Absolutely. I do want to tell Jed, though, thank you very much for uh, making me watch Predator. He did make me watch it, and I am I am the better for it. The better what? I'm not sure, <laughs> but I am the better for it. So, uh, guys, thanks again for listening. Uh, always appreciate it, and we will see you next time with Love and Basketball. Later, Burners. I you was said, a Navy SEAL. I know you were. You said now, that. I live oh. in the Baja. All right. And I don't. I I spend less than six months a year in the continental United States of America. <laughs> I have a thousand gallons of potable water. I don't know out what there, you're saying. And you I just... have a silo full of tortillas. Okay, but what is the point of what the what is the well, point? Well, why don't you tell me? I don't know, man. You you're, tell me. Why just, don't you tell me I, what the point is? I'm trying is to follow. If you're such a patriot. I am a patriot, but you know what? Just because yeah. you have a silo full now of Now you want to show us pictures of uh, shaven sh- and shorn chimps. And you and you've never stepped in the in the uh, in the arena of battle with a chimp. And when you I do, never said I, you'll be thumbing your ass for sure. I, because I, I have gone in hand to hand combat with many chimps. You have, armed, yes, armed only with a polar bear femur, and when, that's something you don't know anything I about. I don't believe because you. I'll be over there in Da Nang, and I'll be over there on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. There are no chimps there, and there and no I'll take in. the chimps in with me while you're over here taking patty cake lessons. I'm not. With, I with your boxing. The Vietnam coach. War is over. And the Vietnam War never started. <laughs> what? 